0: Hello. Okay. Hello. All right. Hello, church. Um, for those that I haven't introduced myself to, my, uh, my name is Daniel Kim. I'm one of the members here at Midtown Baptist Church. I was really challenged by the sermon here uh, on Sunday. We are not Christianettes here at NBC. <laughs> so instead of 15 minutes, I'm shooting for 45 minutes tonight. So I hope you're all ready for it. But before we start, uh, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I humbly come before you tonight, acknowledging your sovereignty and power. May we be like Isaiah and have the confidence to say, here am I, send me, not because of our own works, because of your work in redeeming us through the blood of Christ. Lord, our understanding is finite and we cannot ever completely know your ways. Yet all of us can give testimony to your grace and mercy today. You know us better than we know ourselves and know exactly what each of us need. As the holiday season draws close, I pray that instead of putting our hopes in the material things of this world, may we place our hope in you, our steadfast Savior and King. I pray for the message today, that you may increase and I may decrease. May it be your words that move the hearts of your people here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you are able, please stand with me uh, for the text this evening. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, the dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of the armies will accomplish this. Please be seated. So one thing that I don't understand about my wife... Um, <laughs> And a great way to start the sermon. <laughs> but one thing I don't understand about my wife is her curiosity. She needs to know the end of the story. Whether it's a book, a movie, a series we're watching on Netflix, if we start a brand new show, halfway through the episode, she'll give me a sly grin, because she's already looked up the ending on her phone. <laughs> and if she knows that it's not a happy ending, she doesn't really want to watch it. But if she knows that it is a happy ending, No matter how dark it is, no matter how hopeless it looks, she'll continue to watch and wait for the turn of the story. Similarly, when we read this passage, it is a message that is upbeat, hopeful, and positive. It is a passage promising good news, prosperity, and peace. But just looking at this passage in Isaiah is like fast-forwarding and peeking at the end. Because when you consider the context of what was happening to the people of Israel at this time, it looked very bleak. Looking back at the previous chapter, it speaks of the coming of the Assyrian invasion, and in Isaiah 8, 9, and 10, it states, band together peoples and be broken, prepare for war and be broken, prepare for war and be broken, devise a plan, it will fail, make a prediction, it will not happen, for God is with us. The time period Isaiah is writing in is marked by war, economic oppression, and destruction. You know, growing up as a Christian, I had many discussions with uh, friends who were not saved, and they would always ask these questions that I had trouble answering at the time. The classic questions, if God really loved us, how could he let so much suffering and pain happen in this world? How could he allow these shootings, these natural disasters, these all sorts of tragedies happen? How could he allow the corrupt stay in power and the weak continue to get exploited? Where is God in the midst of suffering? You know, at the time, it was difficult for me to have a good response. But those questions led me to the three points I want to discuss here tonight. Number one, pain and suffering have a purpose, to seek help in God. Pain and suffering have a purpose, to seek help in God. Number two, God's help many times is not what we expect. God's help many times is not what we expect. And number three, pain and suffering in this life is temporary, life in Christ is eternal. Pain and suffering in this life is temporary, life in Christ is eternal. For those of you that don't know, I work as a nurse at Regional One in the outpatient surgery department. Um, So as a healthcare worker, I see people in pain every day. Um, It isn't pleasant always seeing people in pain, but I've come to recognize the critical role that it plays in our lives. Mainly, we understand that pain is the body's alert system. It recognizes that something is wrong. It warns us to protect that area and to seek help. When we ignore those signs of pain and brush it off, it leads to more problems that continue to grow and get worse. Recently, my uncle passed away of stomach cancer, and um, this was particularly hard on my mom. Um, Not because he had cancer, but because he ignored all the signs. She told me that he had a lot of pain and discomfort for a long time, but he never went to seek out help until it was too late. You see, pain is not to be ignored. It actually plays a vital role in getting better. This leads me to my first point. Pain and suffering have a purpose to seek help in God. Let's take a minute to reflect on how we respond to pain in our lives. I've told everyone here that pain and trials in our lives have a purpose. This purpose is to inform us that something is wrong, that we need to seek help. But who or what are we seeking shelter in? C.S. Lewis writes this, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And when we seek help in God, He will respond, as we see in verses 6 and 7 of the text. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Can you imagine what good news this is to the people who are desperate for relief? The people of Israel who are exploited by those in power, suffering from the threat of constant war and destruction. And in their suffering, God hears their cries for help and responds by letting them know he will deliver them from their current state by sending someone that will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Brothers and sisters, how often do we instead run to the counsel of man instead of our wonderful counselor? How often do we rely on our own strength instead of letting go and relying on our mighty God? How often do we seek relief by building up temporary treasures here on earth instead of building treasure in heaven with our eternal Father? How often do we invite more chaos and noise in our lives instead of relying on the one who is the Prince of Peace. Are you seeking God in your times of need? This leads me to my next point. God's help many times is not what we expect. Isaiah eight ten says, devise a plan, it will fail. Make a prediction, it will not happen. You know, surgery is interesting because it's purposeful injury to the body in order to fix something that's wrong. Sometimes we find the solution for someone who is in pain is to actually cause more pain. This surprises the patients and catches them off guard all the time. I don't know how many times I heard the phrase or statement something like, if I knew it was going to hurt this bad after surgery, I never would have done it. I should have left it the way it was. Similarly, the help that comes from God can come in a form that we don't expect. And many times we do the same type of grumbling when things don't go the way we think it should. This is certainly true of the people of Israel on their expectation of the coming Messiah. They heard the words of Isaiah, that the Messiah will come, someone who is mighty, who will bring guidance and peace to those in turmoil. When hearing those words, I'm sure they made a prediction of the type of person to expect, probably an imposing figure with might and political influence. And as we have recently heard in the sermons from Pastor John, Uh, When Jesus comes to fulfill the prophecy, he constantly is not recognized. John 1.10 says, he was in the world, and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. They don't recognize him, and they don't realize who Jesus was sent from. They already have their minds made up of what they expect the Messiah to be. Looking back at verse six, it says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. The dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. You know, many people expect a child to be born, probably from a prominent family, in a significant fashion. Instead, he was born in a manger of a dirty stable, to live his early years as a common carpenter. The expectation was that the Messiah would be given by God so Israel would conquer and rule. The Israelites believed that the coming Messiah would come with a mighty sword and bring power to the nation of Israel. That when he died, he would die as a hero after establishing military might and economic prosperity to the Israelites. However, God moves in a way that can't be predicted. John 3, 16, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You know, in verse 6 of Isaiah, it says, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. God doesn't give just a son. He gives his only son. He doesn't deliver his people by might or by political prowess. Instead, he delivers his people by living a blameless life, helping and healing the poor by dying not as a hero, but as a criminal in the most cruel and humiliating way. Dying on the cross to pay the price for our sins is in this way that he establishes and sustains his kingdom. Many of us, and I know I fall victim to this all the time, we have certain expectations and plans that we make for our own lives. That if God, we say the things of that, if God really loves us, he will help us accomplish X, Y, and Z. Then things happen in our lives that are completely unexpected. Maybe a family member or loved one passes away unexpectedly. Maybe some of us are dealing with unexpected financial stress. Maybe some of us have expected to find that special person by now, but it just doesn't ever seem to work out. Maybe some of us are in a marriage that isn't going as expected any longer. Maybe some of us have been suffering from a physical ailment for a long time and it feels like there is no end in sight. You know, I love the verse in Isaiah 8:10 because it talks about how our plans will fail. Our predictions won't happen, but it ends with this, for God is with us. Where is God in our suffering? He is right there with us. He sees each tear. He knows our pain, but can we trust that despite our circumstances, God is working and has a plan? There is another comfort as well, the last point. Pain and suffering in this life is temporary. Life in Christ is eternal. Going back to these surgery patients uh, who are hurting and in pain, a lot of times they ask me, is this normal? Is this pain normal? Well... My response is, we expected you to be in pain after surgery. (laughs) This is normal. (laughs) I won't be able to take away all your pain, but the good news is that it will be better. The pain is to be expected, but also we know that it's temporary. You might be surprised, but hearing those words actually does help Uh, (laughs) because it lets them know that what they're feeling is is normal almost and, and necessary. It makes them feel better because they trust that what I say as a healthcare worker is going to be true. Brothers and sisters, how much more can we trust in the promises of the almighty God who is sovereign and holds the universe in his hands? For those of us who have accepted Christ as our savior, we already know the happy ending. We see the sneak peek in this passage in Isaiah. We understand that we will reign with him forever and ever. You know, to go back, to those questions from my friends growing up of how God could allow such pain and suffering in this world, I would tell them now that this world is broken by sin. The pain and suffering that we experience in this world is a reminder that something is clearly wrong, that we need help. We need someone to fix this problem and that God has provided that help in the most unexpected way. Sending his son to die on the cross for our sins for all the believers who are here, discouraged by pain and suffering, I would tell you that this pain is temporary and it reminds us again that we need Christ. Just like the Israelites constantly needed reminders, we also need reminders that we can't do this by our own accord. You know, before I close, I wanted to go over a couple things we can do in our daily lives to keep ourselves reminded of our need of Christ. Um, But before that, If anyone is here that does not know or hasn't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm so glad you are here. I believe you are here for a reason. I believe that you have seen how broken this world is and how broken you are. And how hard you have worked to seek shelter and relief by filling that brokenness with education, career, relationships, and pleasures of this world. God longs for you to rest in him. If you have any questions or are curious about this amazing gift, just as Pastor Josh always say, says, please talk to any of the members here. We love having those conversations. But my first application is community in the body. For myself, one of the greatest encouragements and reminders that I have had to look to Christ in times of pain and suffering has been in my discipleship group. All of us can relate to venting when we are going through hard times, and, and letting it out is therapeutic. But... What's even greater is a community in the body. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around you who will not only lend a listening ear, but direct you back to our Savior who redeemed us on the cross. Secondly, the second application is active evangelism. So when we hear good news, the natural response is to share it. For example, when Nikola Jokic rightfully won back-to-back MVPs You know, I was immediately in the NBC Sports Group message chain, letting them all know about it. And unless your name is Kyrie Irving, it makes sense that when you share something to others, it means you believe in it and you endorse its value. Currently in my D group, we are reading a book together called Before You Share Your Faith. And in the book, the author writes this, the greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. Let me read that again. The greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who won't share the gospel. I know I'm guilty of that. In many situations, there are opportunities to share the gospel, but I didn't. Whether it's due to fear and pain of rejection, uh, thinking that I don't have the adequate knowledge, or the fear of jeopardizing that relationship, we make the decision to be silent. I believe that God commands us to share the gospel, not because he needs us or relies on us in that way, but because it provides another opportunity to be reminded of the pain and suffering so many people are going through in this world and the hope that we can share that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we are entering another holiday season where Thanksgiving and Christmas are just around the corner, I encourage everyone here to be reminded of what the season is about. Everyone this time of year seems to have this holiday cheer and in the mood to celebrate. But are we celebrating this year because it's time off that we have from work to spend with loved ones and to buy gifts and receive gifts? Or do we celebrate because we were once broken and God in his infinite mercy and grace has given his son so that we may be restored in him? Join me in prayer.